So I'm going to welcome the amazing Julie North to our Mind Body Gym podcast. I mean, um, I've been knowing this beautiful woman for quite some time in a different ways and working with her, but um, just more recently within the past, what is it, eight, nine months? That we've it hasn't been, been that long. It, I, six, maybe? Six months and um, twice a week for, and we've really gotten a chance to get to know each other on a more personal level. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining my experiences because it's been awesome and amazing. So Julie, I would like for you to just kind of share with us your journey of self-discovery and embrace, embracing who you are, you know, well, embracing yeah. who you are. Well, so just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, absolutely. So my journey um, you want me to talk about recently the things that have been going on? I mean, whatever you want to share, whatever comes to mind, you know, so, people want to know. So I was born a medium. Okay. And, and that skill set, mm-hmm. um, from childhood produced a tremendous amount of stress for mm-hmm. me on a, on a daily basis. I, um, I never learned how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. I learned how to live with it. Mm. And my baseline of stress is pretty high uh, because of all of the input that I get on a regular basis. But you learn to navigate that. Can you pause for one moment and just kind of yeah. explain, explain to people, like, what does medium mean? So um, all mediums are psychics. Not okay. all psychics are mediums. Um, a medium has the capacity to communicate with something that's not in a body. So typically when most people think of a medium, they think of someone who communicates with people who are deceased. Mm. Um, but, and not all mediums can communicate with all the things. So sometimes a medium has a range that they're in, like they maybe can only communicate with deceased people on the other side, or maybe they can only communicate with someone's guides or some type of entity, or maybe they communicate with animals. Mm. So animal communicators are mediums. Plant communicators are mediums. Um, so there's a whole range of, of things that that can fall into. In my case, I haven't found something yet that I haven't been able to communicate with. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, w- without a s- skill set for being able to turn that off, you know, like it was a lot. So I had great parents. Uh, they were amazing. Mm. Um, but the other side, like from my childhood, was always talking to me. Okay. So when I would think, like, why is Billy doing that thing? The other, any thought that I would have a question like that, the other side would answer. Mm. And um, as an adult, it often feels like you're going through life with, you know, a, a small group of parents that are helicopter parenting, that constantly commenting on everything you do, think, say, you know, um, correcting components uh, of your of my language. So there's a lot yeah. of language correction because words mean different things to different people. And the yeah. point of communication, if you're the communicator, the point is to be understood. If you're the listener, it's to, your point is to understand. So when I'm communicating, even in casual conversations, uh, my language is usually getting corrected by the other side because my dictionary is different than whoever's listening to me. Mm-hmm. And they will say no to particular words and I'll kind of run it through a thesaurus in my head till I find a word that, is, that they're okay with. Um, and it works that way for readings too. So when I do readings for people, um, 
I get a lot of corrections. They correct most sentences in one or two places. Uh, yeah. And and it's always in the back, well, almost always in the background. So sometimes I miss some, and then they tell me that I've made a mistake, and I just have to go back and correct that. But is a big part of how we communicate. Right. Um, it's important, particularly in a reading, to make sure that the listener is getting the accurate intended message, not just my best guess at it. You know, and we think of ourselves often as being very clear in communication. We'll say, "Oh, I love you," or "Oh, you know, this this felt horrible." But those words are vague. Love right. is vague. It means so many different things to different people. Horrible is different to different people based off of your range of experiences, and the other side's pretty particular and specific. So, it's a lot of corrections and clarifying. And like they had me read the dictionary when I was in middle school. <laughs> Wow. I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then later in my life, I realized like why that was important because I was going to be doing this, but I didn't know that at the time. So yeah, my daily work is um, I, I teach. I haven't taught for a little while, but we're just getting ready to get back into teaching some classes and doing a mentorship class. But I do a one-on-one client readings too. A lot of um, like what what's going on in my life and a lot of health things. I work with a lot of doctors and therapists around the world. Um, yeah. 88, 88 countries, I think, was the, my last count. Of, wow. Like where I have clients. And, um, you know, if they're unwell and they can't mm-hmm. figure out what's wrong with them or whatever the treatment is is not working, mm-hmm. doctors will call about patients or they'll send patients to me, that sort of thing. Yeah. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of medical things that go on there. And in my work, I am really faced with the thing that you're that you are frequently talking about this connection between the mind the body the spirit however mm-hmm. you want to frame that right. um, they're they're intrinsically tied together and the my understanding of the human experience the human system is there's kind of if you crudely break it out into four parts Three mm-hmm. of those are non-physical. So in your energetic body, you would have an intellectual body, which will start in sentences with I think or I know. Okay. Spiritual body, which will start in sentences with like I believe or I have faith in. An emotional body, which will usually start in sentences with I feel or I fear. Okay. So that's kind of like the board of directors of you. Mm. And then the physical body is the body of action. Okay. Right? Yeah. So... In an ideal situation, each person would be incredibly conscious of what they think, what they believe, and right. what they feel. All of okay. those things. They, they might think multiple things, and those thoughts might be in conflict with their beliefs, which also might be in conflict with how they feel. They might know that Mary didn't mean to hurt their feelings, mm-hmm. but they still feel mad at Mary for hurting their feelings and they feel hurt. You know, like they, they, you can have cognitive dissonance in this little board of directors. And what happens in the body is because the body is the temporary vehicle for the soul. Yes. The body's built to follow, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't lead. It follows. So whatever's going on in your board of directors, your soul, if you will, for your human experience, that's going to emulate in some way in your body. Mm-hmm. And, a balanced board of directors will typically have a balanced body. Most of us don't have a balanced board of directors because the culture doesn't teach that. So yeah. in the in the current um, westernized culture, the 
the focus and value is put on the intellect. What do you think? What do you know? Are you smart? Yes. Are you stupid? There's a lot of judgments around intellect. How you feel is irrelevant. You know, and we teach our, our kids, you know, stop crying. Mary didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You know, what, yeah. what are you what are you crying about? Don't get mad. So there's a lot of um, suppression of the emotional mm-hmm. system. Which, li- keep- which, which leads to like, you know, the whole uh, dis-ease leads to disease kind of thing of what you're, what you're saying. Yeah, the body will emulate. Balance, right? So what happens yeah. in this situation is you are raised with a value of intellect and and you're taught not to be angry for example don't be angry don't be mad don't yell don't be mad you suppress those that gets suppressed in your system so you might make a lot of smart or logical choices given the culture but emotionally your emotional body is suppressed mm-hmm. and you you hold that in the body so you're mm-hmm. out of balance and the um, the suppressed emotion, the congestion will create illness, unwellness, wow. not just like, hey, I feel miserable, I'm sad, but, it, you know, disease, cancer, or suppressed immune system make you really susceptible to viruses and, and those sorts of things. And we all have a genetic makeup, too, so that can play into that. But I see a lot of things where people will have a gene, like maybe yes. they have the genetics for a heart, heart conge- you know, congestive heart failure. Right. That that gene can kind of go either way. So if the soul didn't sign up for congestive heart failure, and you have, or something that would be served by congestive heart failure, mm-hmm. and you, have, but you have the gene for it, the free will choices that you make in your life, how you think, believe, and feel, how balanced you are within the self, um, is going to make that gene active or non-active in your. So system. that's kind of like that epigenetics of carrying things on, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Well, th- th- there's that. I mean, there's a lot to that. You have your, you have your genetics in your DNA, right? And then you have your souls. If you look at time from a linear standpoint, which is how human beings experience it, most people would call those past lives. So you'll okay. have your your, your, your karma, and okay. so you'll have things in those experiences. For the ease of conversation, we'll call them past lives. That yes. would. Like so, that's kind of like karmic DNA that also might be affecting your current situation too. But you, as a free will um, human being, mm-hmm. can can make decisions that change those situations. I mean, you have just dropped a lot of knowledge bombs right there, and just like <laughs> you know, you having to know the language and you know, having this skill set, like how did you come to embrace who you are, right? I did did not. I did not embrace it. Okay. I I fought it. I didn't want to do any of this. Mm. It was really difficult. Um, It was really difficult. And then I I grew up in a, a pretty small town, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, from a protective standpoint, my mom was kind of like, just don't tell people, you know, there'll be garden okay. crosses in your front yard. Um, because that's the culture that my mom grew up in, right? And yeah. so I, I can mm-hmm. appreciate that protection. But, like, I kept that to myself to the extent that my parents didn't even really know the full extent of what I could do until I was an adult, had moved away and actually moved back. Understood. Um, uh, and I would if I didn't express what was being told to me, 
mm-hmm. I I became distressed. I so, understood. you know, as a young person in school, like people's parents would just start telling me things like I, and and I understood, you know, and then I'm just telling them things that and they would say like, oh, you're so wise for 14, you know, and I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, it's not, but I couldn't say, you know, like, oh, no, actually, that's your guide saying that. I just didn't say those things. And then I ran restaurants for quite some time. And that was an outstanding avenue to, to share information without like saying, hey, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. When my, when my kids were little, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do this. It's a lot of responsibility. And I, there's a lot of ethics. And I'm probably most deeply seated in ethics. Right. And I didn't want to cause harm. Anything that can cure can kill. Anything that can heal can harm. Language, especially the English language, incredibly muddy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a minefield of navigation, and I didn't want to do it. But it just wow. kind of kept showing up, and people, you know, I would do it for my friends, and then friends of friends, and you know, it just kind of got it got out of hand, and. So I kind of threw my hands in the air. I was actually pretty angry at the other side. And I said, fine, fine. If you want me, if you want me, this is a totally true story. If you want me to do this, you make it happen. I'm not doing any of it, which is ridiculous because by that point in my life, I mean, I know that whatever they want me to do, like that's what's going to happen. So it's kind of a, a silly temper tantrum to have. You know, fine. Well, it just just shows that you are of the flesh, too. Like, you also signed up for a a soul's purpose. And, you know, you you also have that way in which people who don't want to do something can react, right? Yeah. The soul signs up for things. The soul has an agenda. And then, and so my soul has an agenda, just like anyone else's. It has things that it wants to learn. Or the purpose of the human experience is to expand through experience. And it might sign up for classes kind of like going to a college club, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe I, maybe a person signs up for, you know, relationship abandonment 101 and some midlife poverty 204 and I'm going to heal people <laughs> with my voice or, you know, whatever it is that a person signs up for. And one of the things that I learned in my life is that I, I cannot change what my soul signed up for. Absolutely. But the vast majority of my human experience is not something that's necessarily on the soul's chosen agenda. So I'm going to expand through those experiences, but I can change most of that. And for the things that are on my soul's agenda, so like let's just make up an example and say that I signed up for Relationship Abandonment 101. I'm not going to be able to not go through at least a perception of Relationship Abandonment, but how I go through it, how long it takes me, how much I fight it, beat my head on the wall, those things are my free will choice. Right. I have a tremendous amount of impact. Any any human being would have a tremendous amount of impact on their experience, even if they don't know, is this a required experience on my soul path? Mm-hmm. So if you kind of look at everything like, okay, are my board of directors all being heard? Okay. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and honored, which most of the time we're saying, well, I know this is like difficulties in my life. Like there's right. emotional difficulties. So I might have an emotional difficulty with, with someone and I might know that they're not good for me in whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to frame that. That doesn't really use terms like good and bad, but maybe that experience with that person doesn't, doesn't bring me health, mental, right. mental health. So I might know that. <clears throat> I might even believe that. 
but my heart can still like love that person and want to be around that person. And so then you have this cognitive dissonance. And so how do you get that board of directors to all have an equal say without, you know, two, two sides voting the emotional body out, then you're just suppressing. So it, it's a interesting process of learning how to honor all of those components because when you don't, you get unwell, which is one of the things that happened to me, even with all the things that I know. You know, yeah. I, I got cancer, stage four cancer, and um, uh, went through a bunch of surgeries and, and sailed through all of that. It was because I did what the other side told me to do uh, at, at, at that point. Um, but it, it created a tremendous, I mean, this is part of how I came to be working with you, too, um, created a tremendous amount of scar tissue in my body. I think I've had more than 15 surgeries and surgical procedures and um, bilateral double mastectomy and, uh, you know, it's just a tremendous amount of scar tissue. And then radiation, um, for anyone that doesn't know, radiation causes all the, the tissue to tighten and mm -hmm. it just stays tightened. So a lot of that tissue that got irradiated is not really ever going to flex like other tissue will. So I needed, and it, it causes the body to be out of balance. I only got radiation on, on, on the left side of my body mm -hmm. and it caused a really big imbalance between my right side and my left side, a lot of scar tissue. And um, I, my mental health took a hit, my physical system. I lost all my strength really um, just from, just constantly being in some kind of a surgical recovery. And so then I came to you because I was out of balance on multiple fronts and because the other side told me to come to you. This is one, so, that was just wonderful. <laughs> so, so the other side actually told me to come to you long time before I came. Okay. But, but you're across town from me and I mm -hmm. was in a temper tantrum and I was like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going across town. Um, it's always been really, really hard. I don't, I don't, I have a problem putting my shoes on. Yeah. If I get my shoes on and get out the door, I'm okay. But the act of putting my shoes on to get out the door mm -hmm. is like a huge hurdle for me. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not going across town. Like that, like, like that was just such an extension of putting my shoes on. I wasn't going to do it. And finally I was like, fine, I'll go. You know? Yeah. And um, I, cause I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I couldn't get over my own, you know, hang up. So plowed through that and started coming, you know, to, to see you. And one of the really unexpected things about working with you, and I had a trainer years ago who was, was great and he got my body in shape and, mm -hmm. and I got strong, but it wasn't what we're doing, what you do. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first started coming to you and you're having me do these, these walking exercises and I would go home and I would think, we're not doing anything. Like, I'm not sore. And and then one day, my literally, it was just a couple of weeks, and then one day my body just shrunk. It was like someone had sucked the air out of me with a straw, you know. <laughs> and I, I was like, what what happened? But what was happening was these hip movements, you know, we store a lot of trauma in our hips, in our, in our mm -hmm. pelvis area. And there's exercises out there for people, somatic work that they, they can do that too. But like this regular process of moving my body and, and you were working with me to get my right and my left balanced. 
And then mm -hmm. also I had some, the body will also do some crossover. So sometimes when you have a right shoulder problem, you'll have a left hip problem or it'll, you know, this. and so you were doing all this work that wasn't like me power lifting weights or, you know, like mm -hmm. dying on a treadmill, but the <laughs> system got aligned mm -hmm. pretty quickly and started moving. And when the body started moving, then the energy moved because energy doesn't move well on a tight system. Right. T tight because it's just muscularly tight or tight because it's dehydrated or both. Mm -hmm. So, you know, dehydration causes tightness and, and energy moves better through a hydrated system. So I was tight. I had all this scar tissue. I wasn't moving well. And once everything started moving, then my energy started moving better too. And baggage was coming up. And I was already going through like, this has been a really rough year, like the roughest year of my life. And not because of cancer. I was really, really already through the cancer things, but just a tremendous amount of personal stuff going on this year that created an emotional upheaval that was like, I felt like I was trying to fight my way out of a bag that I mm. couldn't get out of. And the movement that we were doing in the gym just broke that stuff up. And as those emotions moved, um, and I wasn't having like, you know, meltdowns every day at the gym no um, but and that can happen it just wasn't my particular experience mm -hmm. but definitely you know a long span of stress you know that I've carried in my body for a long time relationship difficulties mm -hmm. abandonment betrayal you know feeling unseen feeling isolated like all of these things that were stored in the system you know were coming up and moving and then the body responds. Yeah. So it becomes a self-feeding system. It's always self-feeding. But what okay. direction is it going? Is it going towards compaction? Is it going towards fluidity? You mm. know, like is it still or fluid? And, and so coming to see you twice a week um, created the movement in my system that it needed. Yeah. And you know, and this, I made a post about this yesterday on my Facebook. And one of the things that I said about, you know, I could tell people really easily like, oh, I have a trainer mm -hmm. and everybody would understand why I've thinned out and why I look better and why I've gotten my strength back. And that would make total sense to them. But it would really be a disservice to you um, to to say that. I mean, I don't know what else other word to call you, but there's so much more that's going on in those experiences at the gym with you than just getting some kind of physical strength because, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of energy balancing that's happened in my system and fluidity of energy, fluidity of emotions. And those things kind of self feed. Now, to some extent, I had such a backlog, a log jam, mm -hmm. that <laughs> I've been kind of a hot mess. Mm -hmm. um, you know, through some of that, but it's still moving. So yes. what I haven't done is I haven't locked down like, oh, that's too much emotion or, oh, I shouldn't be feeling that way. We don't, I don't do that. But it's it's been kind of a messy movement process. And then I just am messy and I just go back to the gym. This has been a beautiful you know? mess. And I am just honored, <laughs> honored to have, you know, been there walking alongside you as as you, you know, overcome all of this the other thing is you are the epitome of you don't look like what you've been through, right? Um, <laughs> just, no. just looking just looking at you, you would know, you wouldn't know you've went through, you know, you had stage four cancer, 
you went through 15 surgeries, you had radiation, you got scar tissue. I mean, even when I got you came two through, of the worst chemos that they make. Wow. I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't look, you just, you know, you all have this amazing glow to yourself. And, you know, some of the questions that I had is like, how do, how do you, overcoming adversity requires a strong support system. And you've already mentioned, like, this year has been a world of crap, like, you know, just to be honest, a bunch of shit, like abandonment and, you know, betrayal and, and these things. And here you are still with this glow. And this is what this podcast is all about. It's like, how do you overcome that? You know, we all have a wheel and a woe. Yeah, I think how a person overcomes that is, is going to be really individualized to the person. Understood. Um, but but the things that would they would share in common would be the will to overcome. Mm. If you don't okay. have the will, and and I mean that at the at the deepest level, because one of the things that we do as people is we're great at giving lip service to what we think is the right thing to say. Yeah. But if we, if we dig deep into the self, like, so I don't get angry very often, right? I didn't used to get angry very often, about every five years or so. And when Mm -hmm. I would get angry, I would roll around in it like it was a big pile of money because it's an emotion and I get to have it and I just throw a fit, you know, and then I'd end be over. But the, the, the emotions of the more interpersonal emotions, like connected to people kind of emotions, like those things have been the challenge. And I think in this culture, because we don't teach emotional maturity, we don't teach emotional management, um, we have a very logical view of emotions most of the time. And a lot of people don't even allow themselves to feel their emotions. They'll say, oh, I'm sad but they don't allow themselves to feel the sad, mm. you know? And, and so learning how to feel your emotions, mm-hmm. um, you know, relaxing your shoulders, feeling whatever comes up and, and do I, maybe I feel it in a certain place in my body. And rather than being like, Oh, I can't, you know, Oh, there it is. Okay. Now I know where it's done. I stop, you know, breathing into that. I have a fabulous therapist that I started working with and, and she was really teaching me how to like breathe into that. And it, yeah. it just seemed ridiculous to me at the time, <laughs> you know, like, what, why am I breathing into this? Why would I want to give this life? Right. Mm. That sounds like what it was giving it life. But the thing is, is it was already alive and breathing into it, allowed it to move. And like, I might get all teary and, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, you would think I would just have a meltdown and ball my eyes out, but like then it would like dissipate, and I would and I, initially I would be like, "Cool, okay, we're done with that," and she would be like, "Nope, just see what comes up behind that." Whew. I was like, "Shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to see what comes up behind that." And so, you know, one of the things that I really saw a lot of was I would feel really angry. I would mm. uh, that would that would be an like like with my defensive measure, and what would come behind that is sadness or this feeling uh, of abandonment, or this feeling of betrayal, because anger, and it makes sense because I already knew this, yeah. anger is a mask for a lot of things. Um, and the body uses it pretty well to move energy. Anger has a fast movement in the system, and so it will sometimes move the emotion a lot faster by being angry than if you were sad. 
Um, and in the in the culture, we tolerate anger a little bit better than we tolerate sadness. We do, um, unfortunately. Uh, so, so I think learning ways to feel your feelings and allow them to move. There's a difference between allowing yourself to have an emotion and perpetuating an emotion. Mm. So, you know, if I'm continually reminding myself to be pissed off at so-and-so or to be hurt by X, Y, or Z, then that's a perpetuation, which is different than if it's just organically arising in me. Right. And the challenge is the, that organic arrive, arrival of an emotion because it always happens in the most inconvenient places. <laughs> you know, you'll be at a party and organically you're really sad. You know, like, you're like, I can't be sad at this party. Like, you might need to be, you know, you might need to go spend a little bit of time in the bathroom or, you know, and, yeah. and work and just breathe into that, you know, in the bathroom and let it move. Um or, or or some other methodology, you know, bilateral stimulation is something that mm. she taught me a lot of this, like while you're I'm talking or feeling. So there's a lot of tools out there. There's a lot of somatic workouts um, that are available working, you know, with you, you do a lot of somatic stuff with me mm. and that's been really helpful. Uh, staying hydrated. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not hydrated and people think of hydration as being like just how much water do you drink? Yeah. And the vast majority of people I know that drink a lot of water are dehydrated, too, because there's these. Talk more about that. Talk more yeah. about that. Because people think like, well, first of all, a lot of people don't even like water. But then the ones who are just pouring it down is just running through them. So it runs talk right a little bit them. more about mm-hmm. that. Talk so a little bit more about that. Your cells in your body have 24 salts, S-A-L-T, salts. In okay. Them. Twelve of those are considered crucial. And so Mm -hmm. the marketing trade calls them the 12 essential cell salts. Right. If your cell, the C-E-L guys, the C-E-L. C-E-L-L-S-A-L-T. So, Mm -hmm. and if you Google that, you have to make sure that what comes up actually has all 12 because sometimes they'll only have eight, but you can get it in a liquid that you add the water. You can get it in the one that I take is made by Highlands. It's called bioplasma and it's like, it's a tablet that dissolves in your tongue. You got to mm-hmm. take like three t- three times a day. Most people don't need it that that often. Once or twice a day is usually most good for most people. But anyway, when your cells don't have those twelve essential cell salts, they don't actually uptake water properly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things they don't do properly, but uptaking water is one of them. And so, when you perspire a lot or drink a lot of water, too, you you lose those salts. Absolutely. And you so. You know, you're going to the gym, you're working out, you're sweating, you're drinking water, but you're not actually hydrating. And then that water just runs right through you. You're peeing all the time, but you're not Mm -hmm. actually hydrated. At a cellular level, you're dehydrated. The vast majority of people that I see are dehydrated. Two things I see most in people across the board is dehydration, the need for Mm -hmm. cell salts, and poor mineralization, and not the minerals that you get in a multivitamin, but trace minerals. Trace so minerals. any mm. any quality supplement that's got more than 70 trace minerals and ionic minerals in it is a good one to take, more than 70. Awesome. Um, um, there's a couple that I like. There's one that I really don't like, but uh, that the other side says it's not good, but we're not going to get into all that. Okay. The, those cell salts are are so incredibly helpful just from a body standpoint, your cells' ability to respirate, hydrate, clean themselves, take good care of, you know, take good care of you. But also when you're cellularly hydrated, the body's more flexible, energy will move better. 
you know, energy is going to move better in general through a liquid than through a brick, you know, if Absolutely. you think of it that way. <laughs> yeah. And if you're yeah. dehydrated, your cells are like little bricks mm. um, rather than, you know, squishy little fluid things that, you know, we love. That's what we want. Um, so cell salts are a really, really important thing for people to be taking. And sometimes people take electrolytes and think it's the same, but if it doesn't have the 12 essential cell salts in it, it's not going to be what you need. So if you're, if your electrolyte, whatever has all 12 cell salts in it, then it will do the same. But there's a lot of things out there marketed as electrolytes and they don't have the 12 cell salts in them. So they're different. Wow. So those two so. things is just like the most, the, the, I mean, you know, you already heard Julie, Julie talks to people all over the world. So majority she's saying is lack of hydration dehydrated and she's saying that lack of minerals the other topic that's been huge um is like people in in sleep and there was one thing that kind of like you and i were talking about where <laughs> people aren't getting enough sleep and something happens i think you said it started with the g lymph where your brain washes itself in the brain mm-hmm. yes yeah. can you tell us a, just a little so- bit that a little bit so the other side started talking many years ago, decades ago, about like a fluid system in the brain. And I can't translate words I don't know, you know, right, and I right. didn't have a word for that. So when I would be talking to people, I'd be like, there's this fluid system in your brain, kind of like your lymph system. And then here, I don't know, a decade or so ago, they actually discovered it, medically discovered it. So they've named it the glymph system, G-L-Y-M-P-H, I believe. Right. And it is literally the lymphatic system for the brain. I definitely mm. am not the expert on that. So it's definitely, okay. you can Google it and look all that up, that up. But one of the things that they found in more recent research is that like they thought the glymph system just worked all the time and mm-hmm. was, it's responsible for cleaning the amyloid plaques out of your brain, the things that mm-hmm. cause Alzheimer's and dementia and that. But they recently found out that that glymph system really only cleans the brain when you're sleeping. Mm. And and it doesn't do it every minute that you're sleeping. You have to ha- be in a certain state of sleep and you have to have it for a certain amount of time. So, you know, if you're a person who doesn't get very good sleep, you don't get very much sleep consistently or you don't get mm-hmm. very good sleep. Maybe you sleep eight hours every night, but you're not getting good quality sleep. Your glimpse system is not washing your brain. That's really what it's doing. It's like, like, you know, running it through the car wash of your body and cleaning it out, those amyloid plaques. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you'll have a buildup and it will lend itself to memory problems, Alzheimer's, dementia, that sort of thing. So quality sleep is really, really important. Um, you know, and most people know if they're getting quality yeah. sleep or not, even if their baseline is off. Yeah, as you know, in the world today, it's like, you know, Team no 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 time off. Team no rest or team no you know team no sleep and all this stuff. It's yeah, just I don't have like, any time to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't have any time to sleep because I'm so busy. But you know, those are the key things that essential things that we need for a quality of life. I mean, Julie, this is this is very powerful. It's just like all the things you've talked about, like how early on your parents were very supportive of you you know, and mm-hmm. how your mom was just like, it's not that she didn't, you know, believe you had the, the skill set that you had. She just wanted to protect you, especially in those yeah, times. We... Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, as you became an adult and all this stuff, you did not embrace it. 
is from what <laughs> I understood. You did no. not embrace <laughs> it. However, you've been navigating this for quite some time. Um, mm-hmm. And can you tell the audience like how long you've been doing the actual thing when you finally just said, okay, had this tantrum. I agreed under this duress is what I call under it. Under yeah, duress. It's fine. like somebody tickling you to death or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I it was somewhere in the the early nineties. I, I lived in Phoenix, um, in the early nineties and I started doing some channeling work um okay. for some people there. I don't like channeling work because that's the process of allowing an entity to like take over my voice box. And I, I, I like my control more than that. Understood. I did it for them. It was pretty interesting stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But after that, I decided to translate instead, which actually works out better for most people. One of the things I learned in the, in the uh, channeling is that the other side uses terms that, you know, might be from 300 years ago. We were having to look up all kinds of stuff to figure <laughs> out what the heck we were talking about. Um, so translating actually works much better. Uh, and, and I have been seeing clients openly, mm-hmm. like where people know, um, yeah. somewhere like, I don't know, 93, 4, 5, some, somewhere wow. in there. Um, wow. So, so yeah. what, 30, 30 years, 30 years. And I, and I, I <laughs> It's been quite some time. So we would uh-huh. say that you, you do this. You do this thing. Um, uh-huh. It's, I, I think I, my first interaction with you was 2012. Yeah, 2012. Uh-huh. And I had never had anything done like this before. But, um, you know, you definitely, the information that you gave me set me on the path of uh, what I feel like was navigating, starting to navigate my soul's path, right? Um, yeah being able to pay attention to uh, the signs, adhering to um, my health (laughs) um, when, especially when um, sometimes the medical doctors just, I feel like they, hey, this ain't in my, I don't know, but I'm just going to diagnose you with this or say this to you, right? They're limited to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things you do say is like, uh, I'm not a medical person. So research which a lot, you know, again, I'm an inquisitive person and I started to just, I wanted to learn. I wanted to, to, to learn, but I started, I've always felt like there was more to me, like, you know, walking with me, feeling energies, um, and just how to, how to navigate that. And so I appreciate you, um, being in my life for those things. And, and, you know, I think that you are, definitely on your purpose and serving your purposes to allow people to say that this, this is just not it, right? You have something else and uh, on the other side or people on the other side to help you, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, the the human experience that someone's having, like while they're alive, most yeah. of the time they're looking at it almost in a 1D or 2D, you know, like there's, there's so much more to you, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's intuitive and, 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 and connected. Your energetic field is literally built to exchange information with other people's energetic field. Yeah. You, you're not meant to be isolated and we're meant to, you know, work as a collective 
Um, that doesn't mean that we all have to have the same opinion about something or the same feelings, but this, so, so I, I dated a guy, actually I dated a multitude of people in my life. And, and I, I, I learned when I was a little kid mm-hmm. that every human being deserved a hundred million chances to get something right. That was one of the things. Mm. And so what that turned into as an adult was like, I was the person who would stay with someone endlessly because they deserved a hundred million chances to get it right. I still struggle with that actually. Okay. But I had this epiphany on the beach uh, a long time ago. I was in this situation with the person and, and the other side said, yeah, that's true. They do all deserve a hundred million chances, but they don't all have to come from you. Oh, the collective, super. if the collective, if everyone does a little, then mm-hmm. it's not too much damage on any one person. They get their experience and no one takes, like everybody's got a different amount of hit that they can take and stay in balance. And I was like, well, he could have told me that like 10 years a ago. And I don't long know, time ago. A different experience. But here I am, you know, two decades later, still, still wow. working on that same lesson. Well, you just helped sometimes. me because, you know, one of the things that I did this whole strengths test and two times I did it. And the first thing was that, you know, empathy was a strength. And it's like mm-hmm. sometimes like a double-edged sword. It's like holding on to a knife because, you know, that person is, you know, pulling on the knife and your hand's being cut and you're being bleeding, but you're still giving chances. But that right there was really powerful this, to say. It doesn't always important. have to come from you. There's an important thing here that you're touching on. So empathy is a skill, right? Okay. Yeah, a, right. a type of wiring. Most people think of it as a feeling and that's fine. So when okay. we have em- when we have empathy for someone it's different than sympathy and it's important to understand the distinction. If somebody's if Mary Jo, oh, we're just going to make up a name. If Mary Jo is sad and and you're sad for Mary Jo, you, you have sympathy. For right. Mary Jo, right? Okay. If you if you have empathy for Mary Jo, then you can kind of relate to Mary mm-hmm. Jo. At least this is not the way that I work with it. You kind of relate to Mary Jo's sadness because you you can empathize. With okay. That. But if okay. you are an empath, which every mm-hmm. human being has a certain amount of empathic ability mm-hmm. to them, for for us to call someone an empath, I mean, for the other side to call someone an empath, they've got to have a lot of that wiring. Um, okay. And it's, it's very fashionable these days for everybody to say they're an empath. And okay. To some extent, that's true. But but when you are using that empathic wiring, whether you have a little bit of it or a lot of it, you are picking up Mary Jo's sad and mm-hmm. processing it on your system. So you don't just feel sad for Mary Jo. You feel Mary Jo sad. Not mm-hmm. just say I can relate to that because I had a similar experience. Like I feel it and I'm processing it on my system. And so – that's a beautiful gift mm-hmm. because when you take on some of Mary Jo's sad, she has less to process. But how do you not take on everybody's? Well, who even who even said that's helpful to Mary Jo? Mary Jo Ooh. might say, please take my sadness. Like this is a common thing. People okay. think they're helping because they're making someone feel better. And you don't know. You could have just set them back and now they've got to start all over to get this terrible lesson because that's what it takes to get the experience. So if you're making everything nice for them all the time, you could be really setting them back because, you know, most... Their soul people, is on a journey. Well, human beings... I mean, the other side always says that human beings are not evolved to a place. It's not a judgment. It's just a functional statement. They're not evolved as a, as a whole. They're not okay. evolved to a place where they have much driver impetus 
to grow okay. from places of peace and contentment. Mm. So they continue to create distressing things as a motivation for growth and change. The world mm. does it. We do it as individuals. Like we'll stay, if we're peaceful and content, like we don't really do much. We're good. Right. You know, we only work on ourselves and like shit looks ugly or, you know, we're pissed off or something's not going the way we want it, you know, and then then we'll do something about it. And and that's just just kind of where we are. And I'm not saying it's true for everyone. But there's degrees of yes. that, but as a whole. So this empathy thing, like one, you might not know if you're really helping somebody or not. And two, the skill set shouldn't run you. Mm. Right. So maybe it's helpful to Mary Jo for you to take on some of her sad. But are you allowing that energy to move through you or is it moving to you? Oof. Big difference. Yes. Energy moves through me, not to me. To me. Right. Because when it runs to you, then you're the stopping point. But if it moves through you, then that's great. Where it needs to go is to the universe. Mm -hmm. Universe is the ultimate recycling. There's plenty mm -hmm. of room for anger and joy and sorrow, and it's all transmutable. It's just energy. So it moves through you to the universe. Let the universe decide, or whatever you want to call that, God, you know, Allah, mm -hmm. Buddha, you know, my dog is my God, whatever the thing mm -hmm. is for a person. The universe is, is a scientific component. Like it's a cycling of energy. So when mm -hmm. you become a stopping point for your own emotions or energy or somebody else's, then again, you get that congestion that we were talking about earlier. So, you know, the culture, particularly for women, the culture teaches that if you are valuable, in order to be valuable, you have to be emotionally useful. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and functionally in service. Mm -hmm. So you have to be serving others and you have to be emotionally nurturing. And if you are not nurturing, women. if you're not if you're not listening to people's problems, if you're not caring about their problems, like you don't have any value. What kind of a woman are you? Like, there's a lot of feminine stigma around empathy. And women have a, a, a greater sense of empathy, generally speaking, but it's not isolated to them. And it it's kind of taught to be almost their, their burden to carry. Mm. Um, and, oh, you're crying. I, sh I should. Those should words. I should be there for you. I should listen to Nurture you. Nurture you, yes. And I think it's really important as we look work with our own emotional balance. Like, where is my balance point? Mm -hmm. Like, I love you and I want to be there for you. But if it's taking me out of balance, if I'm not checking in with myself and saying, is this in balance for me at this time? There's no way to say is it in balance with me without putting a time frame on it because th that speaks to all time, past, present, and future. So is this imbalance for me at this time? And we all go through things like where maybe we're given a lot to Mary Jo. And it's not technically imbalanced in the moment, but in the bigger right. landscape of things, it's imbalanced in my life right now. So it's imbalanced for me to give to you more. And then later it might be imbalanced for me to receive more, you know, or maybe I'm going to give to this person, but I'm going to receive from somebody else. So the balance is, is very big and communal, but it's very important for people to be checking in with themselves. Like, you know, are they in balance? So, so maybe they're, playing a big role of empathy for Mary Jo. Right. Understood. If, so, if, that, if it's throwing you off, then what are you doing for yourself? Are you going to the gym? Does that help you get in balance? Are you going to get your nails done? Are you soaking in a bathtub? Are you planting some plants? Like what brings you back into balance? Yeah, what are your tools that are bringing you back into balance? Yeah. Understood. So do you mind, with that being said, do you yeah. mind sharing like some of your previews of what's happening here on Earth and huh. how we can cultivate <laughs> 
I mean, it may be a whole other conversation, but just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. So the Cliff Notes version, as I understand it, um, so we were talking about human evolution. Yes. And and I'm going to be doing a whole um, live piece, I I think, on this. We're going to, I think, I think we're going to give it away. So it'll be free, um, a live event. And then there'll be a QA and a too that goes with that. But, you know, humans have evolve the soul evolves through the human experience and the human plane kind of exists in a particular vibratory range just like a certain radio station you know exists in a vibratory range and humans will incarnate 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 into that range um you might do relationship advantage eventually you're going to get enough souls that need to grow experiences in a human range that's, that's higher than what the human range is Okay. And so if you look at the range that we've been in as like kin- kindergarten through 12, K through 12, mm-hmm. eventually somebody needs college. One person's not enough to build college for. Right. So there has to be a critical mass number of souls ready for that college in order mm-hmm. for college to be built. And so that's what's happening is, um, is that the earth plane is making a transition in its vibratory range to create a college. Um, it is not just expanding on that, I don't know what you want to call it, that higher end range, though. Yeah. It's actually, like if this is the amount of range, it's moving upward. So that means that the lower vibratory range is actually going away. And mm-hmm. so souls will not be able to incarnate into human bodies in and work in out range. or work through a lot of these lower vibratory range things that have been available in the human experience for a really long time. And so one of the things that that's doing in the, in the current model, because we're lit, we happen to be living right now during the transition, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredibly challenging and not normally how that's done. Mm-hmm. So n- normally the planet pr- pretty much wiped clean, the vibrational change happens and then repopulace kind of happens. C- current archaeological history doesn't, doesn't show a lot of that. There's some of that shown, but anyhow, um, so we're living in, on a planet that is actually kind of birthing itself into a new vibratory range. And just like mm. any birth, you know, there's a lot of upheaval. Right. The, all of the systems that are on the planet, the foundational systems, have been built to serve that old vibratory range, which in the human body, the human system interacted with with its environment like this, the soul connects to the body in a seven chakra system with a mm-hmm. hara line that runs right down the middle. And, I mean, there's thousands of chakras, but seven primary chakras. And the new vibrational range actually runs an eight chakra system. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's that's a big part of what that lecture is going to be about because there's a tremendous, the, most people on the planet now have an eight chakra system. They either were born with it. If they were born after the fall of 1993, they were probably born with a eight chakra system. Mm-hmm. And, the people that didn't that are choosing not to die that didn't die that are staying on the planet during the transition are shifting to an eight chakra system so that new chakra sits like right here over your thymus it used to sit right kind of in the first layer of the energetic body in people who are born with an eight chakra system it's actually in the body like the other chakras mm-hmm. and so that's that's the primary dip well that and the kundalini sort of like the well of your human experience energy used mm-hmm. to live down at the root chakra. Right. And that system was a follow the rules, follow the plan system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, you did that and it kind of fed it like an old mercury thermometer, you know, it rose. On the yeah. So so you have right. all of these, all of these, you know, 
things that, that work that way. But the eighth chakra system has the kundalini living here. So new chakra, new kundalini space. And that feeds the system differently. Instead of rising from the bottom, it feeds it this way. And if you understand like what each chakra does, it kind of says something we'll talk about in that thing. Like you'll understand why like all of these young people don't work very well in this world. They're, they're built to, to... And so all of the foundational structures like family structures, government structures, community structures, educational structures... All of those things are built to serve a populace of human beings that are follow the rules, follow the plan. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you had people before 93 coming in with an eight chakra system. So it's kind of a blend in, you know, the further back in time you get, the less of them there are. But like, you know, path makers, if you will, like I was born in 69, I was born with an eight mm-hmm. chakra system. Um, that, that I've got a client who's like 82, I think she, she's got an eight chakra system. She's born with wow. it. You know, and so but the early people with an eight chakra system really didn't fit. Like right. the, the world does not fit for them at all. But even the, you know, even though the vast majority of people born since 93 are an eight chakra system, the world's not built for them. Right. You know, and you can see it in how the educational system has not been working for, right. for them. All those changes. Now, now everyone has an IEP. Right. You know, it, if everybody has an IEP, then you're probably doing something wrong. Like you probably mm-hmm. need to, you know, like <laughs> just <Change it> up. <laughs> what's happening there. You know, the the model for survivability, the model for growth, you know, those things are all changing. So when you transition an earth plane with all the people on it from a seven chakra system, it's like switching from like Windows to Mac. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's. <laughs> It, you got to, you got to, all the hardware is changing. And so all the programs have to change. Now you yeah. open up a, your Mac computer and you, you know, your word document might look the same as it did on it, but it did the behind the scenes stuff is totally different and how it got there is different and how it works and how it serves and how it runs through all that hardware is very different. So, you know, all the people are having new hardware, mm-hmm. that eight chakra system. And that eight chakra system is a, is a resonance based system. Not a follow the rules, follow the plan. So is it, you know, is this resonant for you at this time? Um, Which doesn't mean you don't get free will choice. Right. It's just a, it's just a different fuel uh, motivator. And so, so that's kind of what's happening on the planet is, is dramatic amount of upheaval. I mean, imagine you're on a planet that's getting birthed, Mm. gets squeezed, Mm. you know, it gets squeezed, and then there's a release, and then it gets squeezed. There's a release. It's messy. It's loud. It's traumatic. Everybody's everybody's having to ditch all these lower vibratory things they've accumulated in their karma. Like they don't know why they're falling apart. You know, it used right. to be that like if you were having some kind of a breakdown in your 30s, you could point to your childhood. Oh, this happened when I was seven, or this. And and you you might be stretching to do that now, but like there's a lot of emotions coming up in people these days that like they don't have. Uh, hey, this happened to me, or a rock solid. They're struggling. They're they're picking through, trying to find something that caused that. But wow. a lot of it is just, you know, it's coming up out of your karmic history, and mm. also, you know, this newer vibratory range is much more tangibly connected. So the mm-hmm. empathy levels higher, the mm-hmm. intuition is higher, mm-hmm. um, more connective, and so people are really affected by the collective conscious more now too. Yes. So, you know, your life might be going fine, but the collective conscious is like really struggling. And so you're going to be impacted by that. So that makes it even more important these days to be like, okay, what's resonant for me? For me, How do I keep myself in balance? Like for me, it's like working with you, yeah. right? Helps me work through my own stuff, but also helps yeah. me work through like all the stuff I'm picking up all, all the time from everywhere and you know, who I'm spending time around. And 
So what I'm hearing from you is those are ways to that you can also cultivate peace for yourself. But when you cultivate peace for yourself, you cultivate peace for others. So, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far to say that peace is the thing to cultivate. I think that's okay. a judgment okay. that, that the culture kind of puts a lot of of merit on you know, love and joy and happiness and peace and rainbow ponies. And those things all have value. Anger's got good value. Mm. You know, sorrow's got good value. All of these things are part of the human experience. So I wouldn't say it's okay for well, somebody to, to want to cultivate peace. But, if, but your process of cultivating peace might be digging through an awful lot of bullshit that's definitely not peaceful. Oh. You know, and the culture has a very romanticized view of ascension and mm-hmm. spiritual growth. I mean... It's really, an ugly thing. It's, 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 an ugly. it's incredibly <laughs> difficult. It's gut wrenching. It's you know you're you're picking at things. It's challenging. Ignorance is bliss, man. Yeah. Like, like I'm not saying that anybody that's peaceful is ignorant. No, but, I get what you're saying. But being able to know yourself, your self awareness, mm-hmm. you know, allow yourself to have your emotions, but mm-hmm. don't let them don't let the emotional body run the show any more than you want just the intellectual body to run the show. Like. Like there's got to, you know, and, and, and like one of the things that's been going on to me in this world is like I'm ping ponging around intellect mm-hmm. and then I'm over here in the emotion. Then mm-hmm. I'm in my spiritual, you know, spiritual body and like, oh, you know, I believe this and then my emotional, mm-hmm. like I've, it's, it's been a lot of ping ponging for a lot of people and myself included and trying to just find the tools that work now because maybe what worked last week isn't working today, Understood. you know, but if you can stay hydrated and you can keep your nutritional load up. Mm-hmm you know, and your, and your mineral load up and keep your body moving. Well, the worst thing mm-hmm. you can do is like just sit, just sit. I, it doesn't matter if all you can do is pace in circles while you talk on the phone, go into the bathroom and do jumping jacks, like any kind of movement, you know, mm-hmm. while you're watching TV, you can still watch your favorite TV show if that's what you like to do. But like, mm-hmm. you know, stand up and march while you're watching it. Do something Understood. that gets the body moving. Um, those things are very, very helpful. And then, you know, breath work, very, very helpful. Yes. Um, yes. Breath work it, it, has it, changed it, my life. <laughs> again, you know, breath work can really bring up a lot of emotional upheaval. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, people are like, oh, I just want to feel better. I want to be happier. Well, we all, we all would love that. The pathway to that usually is fraught with like breath work that's got you bawling your eyes out, you know, mm-hmm. kind, kind of thing, or the processing of, of emotions that are stuck in the system. So the pathway to... I really think ideally the pathway is towards a broader spectrum of available emotions that you are allowed to have, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and the pendulum, how far the pendulum can swing. So, oh. you know, you can't love this high, this intensely, if you can't equally hate this intensely. But, but, and so when you trim down, like, oh, I can't hate, then you, the universe brings it into balance and now your, your bandwidth is smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, and so people kind of get this idea that, that balance is managing to the middle. They're not too happy. They're not too sad, but that's not authentic. You're managing to the middle. So like in my world, like I allow the full range of things, which can get real messy. Like it is right now. Um, you know, that, that those, and I allow myself to have those emotions, but you brought up something earlier. I'm kind of trying to double back to here. I kind of got a track. Having an emotion does not equal having an action. And you brought this up when you were talking about empathy you can have empathy for someone and you can feel that, like I might feel Mary Jo said, and that doesn't mean I have to do something about it. Mm. 
right? The idea that I have empathy for someone and therefore must have said action, they're two separate things. It's the same thing when people say, you, you say, why are you yelling at me? Well, you pissed me off. Those are two separate things. The, the emotion of being pissed off or being angry and the action of energy or the action of yelling, those are two separate things. And the culture and most people have a tendency to bind emotions and actions together. I care, therefore I do this. I'm angry, therefore I yell, or I give you the silent treatment, or I quit being here. Like, and those things are not bound together. You're the only one that does that. I can <clears throat> you know, love you immensely and not speak to you and not help you in the way that you want to help. I can feel a level of hatred. It's not, it's not something that comes up in me a lot, but like I could, I could feel a lot of hatred and treat you just as nicely. Mm. I mm. am in control of my actions. Yeah. My emotions might be happening organically, mm-hmm. right? But I am in control of my actions. Got it. Or so should you still be. have that emotion. <laughs> well, try to be. Right, should be. right, right. So, again, it kind of goes back to that emotional management or what you said. Like, I may feel some way, but that doesn't mean I have to act a certain way. Right. I mean, the goal is to allow yourself to have the organic experiences that are happening. And I don't mean like, well, the universe put this in front of me, so I guess I must have to suffer through it. Like, if you have an emotion that comes up, that doesn't mean you have to have a meltdown or throw a fit. But there's something to look at there for you. And are you in control of yourself? I really think... The, the the permission to be, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to feel this way, I'm allowed to think this, I'm allowed to believe this, but then being in control of your thoughts mm-hmm. and being in control of your actions, the master of you, yeah. th- those are the things that, that are valuable to work on. And, and for each person, that's going to be different. But if you don't have that will to want things to be different for yourself, and I, yeah. I mean, you, you have to really want it. Yeah. We can want all kinds of things and never do a darn thing for it. So we want it, sure, but we don't want it enough to do anything about it. You have to want it enough to do something about it. So I mean, you know, yeah. I, I want a villa on St. Martin's, but I don't I don't want to do what it would take to get that right now, you know, like that prior, prioritizing that. So, you know, what what does your does your want get married to actions and prioritization? You, know, you have to have that will. You can't. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that identify, unfortunately, with their illness. They don't. Yeah. They've become. Who will I be if I get healthy? No one will care for me if I'm healthy. You know, or <laughs> who will I be if I let go of this trauma? I or don't even fear. know. Yeah. yeah, I've had this trauma yeah. for so long. I've been the I've been the victim for so long. I don't know how to be anything other than the victim. Great. That's a great starting point. So time to learn to be something new. How do you be something else? I love that. So I want to take a pause here so people can know, so you can tell people how they can contact you and also how they can get, um, you know, be a part of this free information that you're going to be sharing. Sure. So go Um, ahead. So I have a pretty simple website. It's my mm-hmm. name, Julie North, N-O-R-T-H. So J-U-L-I-E-N-O-R-T-H dot com. Um, that website is in the, that's kind of the old website. The new one mm-hmm. has not launched yet. You can still access me and, and everything through there. Uh, but it, it looks a little dated, you can tell. The new website will have, when it goes live, 
will have the same address. There's a contact form on there. You use the contact form to reach out to my assistant. She'll get you scheduled for a session. On that contact form, though, is a thing that you can check mark that also puts you on the mailing list. So even if you don't want a session, you fill out the contact form and check mark that box to get on the mailing list. And the mailing list is how people find out about the workshops that are coming up, the free lectures. Um, with the new website, that will also be a, the same platform for education. So we'll be doing all the classes on there rather than a separate platform, mm -hmm. you know, like Kajabi or something that people use. So it will all be on one platform and there will eventually be subscription services too for like um, subscription content, that sort of thing. Those things are coming. The website's in the works, the new website's in the works. Classes are um, probably going to roll up before that website even really gets fully fully launched. Um, but that contact form that's on there is either how you get in contact with us to get an appointment or find out what's available or get information, also get on the mailing list. And I don't send out a, a thing to the mailing list unless I have something to send out. So it's not something that I do with a level of regularity at this point. Yeah. It's just like, hey, we're going to give a class. And those people on the mailing list get first priority. And I will say every class I've ever done is sold out. Well, so, the, like, if you were waiting for to see it on the website to sign up for it, if you're not on the mailing list, you probably won't get into it. So, I'm the mailing list on, is definitely the way to go. Get on that mailing list. You yeah. Heard that. Get on that mailing list. So, look, we're going to leave with this. We're going to leave with this. What would you say you would like your legacy to be? Or it mm. is? Like on the planet with people? Yeah, with planet, with the people. I would love to see people learn to love themselves and others with authenticity, mm. without the the shoulds. There's a level of I love you, but, um, or I love you, but I don't love me that goes on a lot. People make a lot of reasons for not being loving. And I think I would love to see that transition. Not that because you love someone you have to do a certain thing, but a genuine feeling of love for the self. And in order to truly love the self, you have to be more self-aware. So self-awareness, self-love, personal growth, that's what I would I would that's what I would love to leave behind is a is a bank of of information for growth for people that they can know themselves better so they can love themselves better. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Then you, you love other people better. It's all circle. I love that. I love Thanks. that. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, having me. I've loved this. Oh yes. Um, you heard it. Julie gave you all the nuggets and go follow her, get on that contact page. Uh, so you can know when she's giving out the classes as well as, um, when she launches her new website, it changed my life. I'm sure it will change yours, if nothing else. So you will get that sense of a little bit more self-awareness and a greater sense of authentic love. Yeah, the guys don't pull any punches, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> they tell it like it is. <laughs> they do not. Okay.